Welcome back to Beat the Often Path, the podcast where we showcase unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box in our careers. Today's guest is a reporter for a Dutch national radio station called BNR, and his name is Connor Clerks. I've often been told that I have a face for radio, and perhaps that's why I find today's guest so fascinating. Connor Clerks is the perfect example of someone with a dream that just won't quit. Since he was a child, he was obsessed with radio, making his first appearances on air at a local station when he was just a teenager. That passion has since blossomed into a full-blown career on Dutch national radio, where his dulcet tones reach tens of thousands of listeners daily. Connor worked his way up the ladder to become an on-air talent, and now he does tech reviews and news for the station, creating his own highly inventive segments. Although he performs in Dutch, he is also native in English and truly has a voice for radio. And most importantly, he's happy in his career. I'm so pleased to announce my next guest, Connor Clerks. So Connor Clerks joining me on the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, man, not too bad. It's a big, uh, big time difference here. I think it's early in the morning for you. It's uh, almost bedtime for me here uh, in Utrecht. That's right, yes. Utrecht is near Amsterdam, for those right. who don't know their Dutch geography. <laughs> um, and yes, I'm in L.A., so it's clearly dark over there, bright over here. Yeah. Well, the reason that I brought you on the show, the show is about unusual success stories, helping people think outside of the box. Obviously, a lot of people mm-hmm. right now are either changing careers or they're massively... They're in a massively different place than they were, let's say, a year ago. People are thinking about remote work. All kinds of these types of things have changed. And I want to give people some ideas of paths that they could potentially go down. And being a radio broadcaster is certainly an unusual story, I think, for most people. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit about how you found yourself in this line of work. Yeah, it's a weird job, man. It really is so, a weird job. So, it, 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 you, you don't get used to it either. It's like, um, it, it, it does turn into a day job at a certain point, you know. This is just what I do, but it is very weird. My job is, I, I, you know, every morning I, I go to work and I walk into a studio and I talk to tens of thousands of people in a little room <laughs> with, you know, <laughs> just guys I know, and that's that's that's... That's really strange. In a way, it's like with podcasting now, you have a sort of similar thing, but live radio is just something else because you just, you know, the red light goes on and you go and you don't know exactly who's listening, but you know people are listening. So don't F up. I don't know how you are about swear words, by the way. Sorry. Go. Uh, I <laughs> don't care at all. Sweary. Swear away. <laughs> right. Good. Swear away. We need to add a little dynamism to the show. <laughs> we need to keep <laughs> <Right>. the attention. <laughs> Keep it fire. You know, I, I know that feeling very well. When I turn on the little red light, I, I talk to tens of people as well. Okay, not tens of thousands, but ten. <laughs> Maybe 12, 15. My mom is a big listener. Um, but that's fascinating. So Palmer. you're still going... Yeah, exactly. Shout out. Um, you're still going into the office, though. You're not doing this from home. Yeah, I did for a long time. So like if, if, if people are watching, you can see I have like a mini studio here where I did do a lot of work uh, from home because, um, oh man, it started here in March. I want to say around the 15th of March uh, 2020. That's when uh, yep. stuff really kicked off here and schools closed and everybody's like, all right, working from home is going to be uh, uh, the basis. And 
we had um, the station I worked for. We had uh, had a bit of luck because a year, uh, maybe six or seven months before that, we had this um, campaign where we were trying to get people to work from home to reduce traffic. And um, as a sort of a gimmick, we uh, said, do you know what we're going to do is we're going to work from home for a day and we're going to get as many companies in Holland to work uh, from home for one day and we're going to lead by example, which is a kind of a crazy thing to do if you're a radio station. You can't really work from home, but we did. So when this uh, pandemic came around and everybody said, all right, it's lockdown time, we're going home, we knew what to do. It's like, all right, get your shit. <laughs> we'll see you when we see it and then the next day it was like boom here's uh, live radio from everybody's living room which is uh, a really weird thing to do but uh, thankfully we've got these um, we've got this tech staff that's just amazing and uh, you know it sounds a bit different but uh, you know it worked out and the last couple of months it's been uh, well it's been up and down here you know we had some restrictions eased and then back into lockdown but uh, right now, uh, we have a sort of a bare-bones operation at the station, and I'm really very, very lucky and very privileged to be allowed to go into the office now. Um, so I'm happy about that, but, you know, if needs uh, be, then there's always uh, back to the little room here. Sure, and did they send you home with that gear, or did you already have the setup yourself? Um, a lot of this is my own uh, gear because uh, the work I was doing at that uh, specific time didn't really, I didn't really need to be live that often. So I have different gear here, um, like a phone set up with, uh, with a decent microphone where I can, basically that I use if I'm doing a report somewhere uh, uh, live, then I can just um, log in basically uh, via, via mobile application and um, go on air. So I could use that, but I also kind of wanted to have uh, a, a more studio-like setting for myself to be able to uh, do the things I wanted to do, even if that wasn't uh, strictly necessary. I just like, you know, you like your creature comforts. I'm used to working in a nice, fancy studio, so I tried to sort of emulate that as best I could. To duplicate it a little bit. Okay, cool. Makes perfect sense. Um, give us a little bit of an intro to what is your actual job? Oh, my job at the moment, um, I'm a dedicated tech reporter for um, our two main news shows. So I have two drive time uh, news shows in the morning uh, between 6 and 10 and in the afternoon bef- between uh, 4 and 7. And my job is basically to curate and find um, the most important tech stories. And um, that can be anything from a cybersecurity risk to what's going on right now with um, Twitter and Facebook and social media and censorship and um, uh, obviously the presidency. Um, From there to things like Bitcoin to uh, basically anything that has um, a tech or an online feel to it, that's sort of my field. So I uh, decide which, which stories are the stories that you really need to know on your way to work or on your way back from work or if you just want to know uh, what's what today. And uh, then I try and explain them as best I can. So are you prepping two different segments per day or it's the same it's segment that runs yeah. twice? Three do, segments, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I do a segment at um, um, 7.45. I do a segment at around 9.35. And then have a big long pause and do a segment around quarter past four in the afternoon. 
and these are all recorded live. You're not pre-recording them, and then they're just playing them later. No, uh, no. What I really do is I like a bit of interaction. So um, I come up with a story, and I try and find a way uh, to get the presenters as interested in this story that I, as I am, you know. So I try and uh, uh, sort of tell a story, basically, um, and still give you the facts that you need to know and the information that you need to know, and uh, sort of try and get. Um, people to uh, understand really why this is important, why I'm telling them this. Fascinating. And how long are these segments generally? Uh, around five or six minutes. So I usually do about three subjects per segment. And then afterwards, do you discuss it with whoever is there or it's just that's the chunk of time and then you're out of there? Well, it's live, so um, I have that uh, uh, chunk of time. It's not a monologue, you know. It, it, it's a back and forth. It's, it's, it's a conversation about um, uh, the subject. But that is the time. It is live radio, so you do need to uh, make sure you stay within, roughly within your time. And then, uh, obviously, I'm always talking to uh, my coworkers and different presenters and seeing, you know, how, how we can how we can fine tune things and what do they think? Did you know? Did they enjoy the uh, the way it was brought? And do they think that's the best way? Um, so we, we do a lot of talking about the stuff we've already made, but at the like you said, you know, when the red light goes on, uh, that's that's it. Fascinating stuff. And so you're writing a script in advance, or is it just I have knowledge of this? Is it bullet points, or do you really write out word for word? This really is my depends on uh, on where I'm going. Often it's somewhere in between. Um, I started out writing for other presenters, um, so you 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 sort you, you sort of. Um, Every, every presenter has, has a different style, and I have a, a, you know, my own style. But when you're writing for yourself, I, I can't um, commit uh, a, a five- or six-minute segment to memory. Uh, so I do write down roughly where I want to go, but I also want to have a presenter to be able to ask me a different question and then go on a different tangent and then you know, bring it back to where I actually need to go. But sometimes you're also working with uh, you know, a bit of audio if you have something... Um, might be to do with, uh, uh, you know, we had CES, the big uh, consumer electronics show in Las Vegas that you might want to uh, uh, play clips from or something like that. So you need a bit of a script so you don't get completely lost, so you can stay on track, mm. but um, it's fi- absolutely fine to deviate as well. That is so interesting. So how did you, let's back up a little bit before I dive into some of that. How did you end up in this of all possible careers? I don't know. <laughs> no, I do know. I do know. I um, did you go to school for it? Uh, I did go to school for it. Um, I, I okay. didn't finish my degree. I uh, started going to school for it. But the first time I started making radio, I was uh, only sixteen years old or fifteen years old, I think, doing what a lot of guys so end you- up in radio uh, do is working for a local, uh, really, really, really proper local, like. Um, in in, in the tiny town I'm from, Vermont, yeah. uh, uh, this tiny, <laughs> right. tiny little local radio station and just uh, trying to be a DJ because I thought, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And At the age uh, of 16, that was awful. you were already <laughs> on the local radio. Yeah, 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 but that, that's that's the way it goes. I mean, it's 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 that's not... Me. It's not like in uh, in the States where you might have, you know, local radio servicing a really big area, but this is really, really right. very, very local. And... Um, that's You're talking st- about the snack bar. The yeah, snack well, bar nah, put an nah, extra freaking up. I, I still tried <laughs> to be a music DJ back then. <laughs> oh, music. Okay, yeah, music. Trying, so you trying started to, music. Uh, trying to right. play, uh, play good music on a, a station that oh, basically nice. only played awful music. So 
that was that, makes uh, sense. that was the first time I did something ra- with radio, and then I sort of dropped it for a couple of years. I didn't really think about it until um, I couldn't figure out what to do uh, for college. I, I tried tried being a teacher, and I didn't like anything about it. And um, uh, actually, my mum said, uh, "Do you know what you should do um, is go and uh, study journalism." And I said, no, of course not, because, you know, what the mums know, they know nothing when you're uh, 18 years old. Obviously, that's that's sort of the thing you have in, your, in the back of your mind. And then um, I really couldn't figure it out, so I did a sort of um, a list of pros and cons. What, what, what do I like and what am I good at? Um, and uh, all signs sort of pointed to journalism, because, you know, I liked, I already liked reading the news and I liked um, finding out how stuff works and I liked talking. Uh, and I liked photography and I liked radio. So I thought, all right, let's give this a shot. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up um, studying uh, uh, journalism in college. And from there... Well, I don't know how it is in uh, in Dutch, but I think having an Irish accent like that is big leg up in radio. <laughs> You've got a very pleasing English accent that surely yeah, can't it's hurt. it's funny. I never do anything uh, in English ever. Like this is... Do you have a... You wouldn't no. You don't have an Irish accent in Dutch, do you? No, no. I've with, um, with, they, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Abe <laughs> no, and exactly. they call right. <laughs> yeah, it like must be. You wouldn't English be on the radio otherwise. Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's incredible. Well, you could do it in English, I think. Yeah, might um, maybe. Yeah, I think it would work. I mean, I don't know what they have a market for over there, but I could see it working. So, what is <laughs> it about radio that was always uh, you were always drawn to radio specifically? That's yeah, interesting yeah, to me. Man. I used to listen to uh, radio like crazy when I was fifteen, and even even before that, when I was twelve, uh, radio was just amazing. But you know, you're a little bit older than me, but uh, we're roughly roughly the same generation. I mean, you didn't used to have growing up. You didn't used to have access to everything you wanted like you have now with the streaming services with Apple and with Spotify. Back then, if you wanted to hear new music, you know that was the thing uh, that you wanted to do. And that was really exciting, being able to listen to these guys, you know, who knew so much about music and um, playing, you know, you could sit there, you know, really waiting for that one track and you didn't know if it was going to get played. And then, you know, I even had the little tape recorder there waiting to see, you know, can I get, can I get this track? And then, of can course, they had it. a sweeper yeah. running through it or something. I was like, fuck, right. I have to sit again. I have no. to sit, <laughs> sit through another yeah. entire show to try and get this. So I always loved radio um, like that. And, and just it, it, it's also it's a great way of making connection. It's so intimate, especially like nighttime radio. People are really talking to you. And that always blew my mind. It's like how much you could get into that. It's like I can remember as a teenager, you know, dialing into shows and being amazed, just amazed that I could actually talk to this person, this legend, you know, the way you build this up in your head, this guy who is basically, you know, I know now is just a guy in a room with a microphone with his headphones on. And he's just waiting for somebody to talk to him. Yeah, exactly. That was hoping uh, that somebody will call in and say hi. Yeah, but there's 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 just there's magic in radio, and uh, I, I, I I was always drawn to it. It just took me a while uh, to figure out that I that I actually wanted to be in, be in that position myself, in a way, because you know sure. I, I I never did become that music DJ. Sure. So you you took a couple years hiatus, and then then what happened at that point when you got back into it? 
I ran out of money. <laughs> That's what happened. <Okay. laughs> as most people do. <laughs> yeah, I worked as a music journalist for a short while. I got this amazing gig in uh, in a place where I never thought that was my absolute dream job. And they offered me a six-month position because uh, they needed someone to fill in for six months. And uh, that's when I did, and I loved it. I went to the biggest festivals, and I got to interview bands and review bands. And that was just great. Um, But after six months, that ended. And um, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, uh, So I I started uh, doing a little freelance work for, uh, for a newspaper. Um, but I was kind of having uh, a hard time making ends meet. So I just started asking around just, you know, the way you do with friends. Like, does anybody know, does anybody have a gig I can, you know, even for the summer, just do a bit of temp work that's not working in a, in a bar? And so, I mean, I love bars, but I, I wanted to do something uh, to do with journalism. And um, a friend of mine uh, said, you know, I don't normally do this, but I will refer, refer you for, uh, for some work in the station where I work now, which is uh, uh, B&R, which uh, obviously in the States no one will know, but it's, um, it's a news station, uh, a national news station in Holland. A well-known um, that, station. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that focuses on uh, financial news. So that's nothing to do with what I was doing uh, uh, back then. But I thought, you know, let's give it a try. And um, they were willing to give me a, a, um, just a little freelance gig for two or three weeks. And uh, the moment I got in, I thought, all right, I have my foot in the door now. Uh, so I'm going to work like crazy and make sure that they want to keep me. And yeah, three weeks turned into a couple of months and a couple of months turned into, yeah, three and a half years now. Three and a half years. That's yeah. where you're at. Wow. Incredible. And did you start off with the tech news, or did you kind of morph into that? What no, were you doing? I started in the out, out, out on uh, on background, just trying to research stories and oh, learning. Okay. It takes a while to. So learn you weren't you weren't on air talent. Oh, you were no. just facilitating. Okay. So when did that transition happen? That happened very slowly. Um, obviously, uh, people, as they should be, are quite picky uh, about who they do and don't let. Um, on air so I I remember after about three or four months uh, I'm a bit cocky so uh, I I asked my boss you know is it possible I might you know do just one piece you know can I can I I have this idea for a piece can I maybe you know just do this and actually actually record this myself and she sort of looked at me and she said you know I think you should just focus on doing your actual job right and I thought well, that, that hurts a bit. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's that stings right. a little. But um, she was right. I did need to uh, put my head down and uh, and learn the basics, uh, become better at what I uh, at what I did. And eventually, I was getting to a sort of a point where I was allowed to do um, segments on things I wanted to do. But my voice wasn't approved because you know there has to be uh, you get some training and people have to pro- prove uh, um, basically. Uh, you have to be just just be clear to be allowed on air, and um, that was taking a while because I, I don't know, I can't remember. I think somebody important was on holidays or something like that, and then I got a little bit bold. That's what they say in Ireland, okay. Ireland for naughty. I got a little bit naughty, Ross, because um, I realized uh, um, my boss was on holidays and there was a new editor and he didn't know about this. So I had an idea and I just made it and I said, you just instead of asking him, I just said, all right, my piece for tomorrow is done. I'll see you. And uh, they broadcast it the next Bravo. morning. 
and uh, my boss was quite quite amused. So after that, they never really talked about uh, clearing my voice anymore. That's so fascinating. You know, I've often been told that I have a face for radio and a voice for silent films. <laughs> but there is an element, of course, uh, like you mentioned, the training. Um, obviously, not training. everybody has a voice that would be well suited to radio. I'm assuming. What 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 kind of stuff did you learn in the training? A lot of it is about how you use your voice. It's like um, you know, you're you're quite a musical guy. There's not that many people who really can't sing. You you have people mm. who who uh, if, if 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 you have a little bit of practice and you know slightly how to use your voice and 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 what to do. It's it's kind of all right. I mean, you have people who have an amazing voice. And you have people who can just sure. sing. I mean, I don't have an amazing voice for radio. I have a, a, a reasonable voice, and I know roughly what I'm doing with it. But like you know, some of the presenters I work with, they were just born uh, with this amazing, really soothing, deep, lovely voice. I mean, that's of not course, me, but it's right. it's all right. I don't need that. Um, and 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 for your do you voice, know uh, you do you know who Mike sort of do you know who Mike Rowe is, the American presenter? I don't think so. He has a podcast. He did a lot of shows for years and years, and it's just not even fair that a guy like that has a podcast versus the rest of us. <laughs> if I listen, he has this rich, deep bass. It's just so effortless, and it it almost doesn't even matter what he says. You're just listening regardless, right? Yeah. I listened for 15 minutes, and it's like I didn't retain any of it, but I loved every second of it. So some people out there, or... Uh, Don LaFontaine, the guy who did all the In a World oh, trailers. Yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, there are people out there who just have those magical. Yeah, voices. absolutely. Who's the um, the amazing trailer guy? Um, his name is Red, I think. R e double d. Oh, and he's. You know, uh, yeah. There's, there's a few. There's I don't few, know him, yeah. but I know that there's a couple that do them all. <laughs> <laughs> and they're booked. I mean, they must have the easiest job in the world, right? They just wake up, make a cup of coffee. Make fifteen, oh, man, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. I, I know, guys. Of, of course, no. I mean, it's wonderful. Don't get there. You know, you do need there. There right. is the hustle, and you do need to put the work in. Um, mm. But yeah, if you if you're blessed with a voice like that, it's it's gonna be slightly easier for you. But I mean, Michael Phelps had longer arms, longer fingers, longer feet. He still put the work in. True, that's true. So, all right. So you're finally on air. It's one of those classic things where. You didn't ask for permission. You asked for forgiveness, and then they just said, "Okay, fine. You're in, more or less. You can do this now." Um, then what happened? How did you start transitioning into what it is that you're doing now? Did you oh, start man. doing regular segments? Or? I did start doing regular segments, and um, the way that kind of works is, uh, I mean, I, 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 if you're a young guy, um, you take whatever, whatever's going, basically. So. Um, that's a great part about journalism as well, is you, you get a different beat sometimes and you don't know anything about it. But you have the time to go and, and sort of uh, uh, try and learn on the job, try and learn about what you're, uh, where you, what you're supposed to be uh, talking about. And as a journalist, you know, you never really have to be the expert. You get to talk to the experts. So I need to know sure. w- roughly what you're talking about, but it's not about what you know, it's about the questions that you ask and what, you know... Um, the actual experts have to say about things. So I did segments on just a wide range of uh, topics, like did segments on uh, the energy transition and the climate. I did uh, sections on um, 
diversity and inclusion in the workplace, about um, productivity and um, purpose and, you know, how to enjoy your job more from uh, lots of things like that. And um, and just day-to-day news where every day is uh, just a whirlwind of different, uh, different stories and, uh, you know, it's all it's all really fluid, and um, basically anything they throw at me, I'll say, yeah, go on, let's uh, let's do it. And uh, now uh, it's landed on tech, and I'm going to be doing this for uh, probably about six months to, uh, to maybe a year if I'm lucky. And okay. uh, after that, we'll see what happens after that. Fascinating. So, give us um, some quick and dirty. What are a couple microphone? technique tips that you might have learned or what could somebody do to be better suited to this um love your mic just crawl right into it uh be close to it (laughs) now i'm afraid that this is i just moved house so i haven't actually checked my level so i might sound shit and nobody's gonna believe me but it sounds good here (laughs) right so i don't know um, what do i know it's a lot of it is, um, uh, and again, I don't usually do this in English, so that's a bit weird for me to say. My Dutch voice is way neater than uh, what I'm doing now. But enunciate clearly. Um, take your time. Don't be worried about um, uh, your pace. I like a natural pace. Like I'm a quick talker, and mm. um, I had to tone that down a little bit because. Uh, I, you know, being a quick talker and then having uh, the energy of a live show, all of a sudden you're just going on and 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 nobody's really listening to what you're saying because you're just going so quick and you're just, boom, this is my story. And I, you know, you want to yeah. avoid that. You want to sort of be in a relaxed uh, place and be able to just um, tell your story and then stick to your own voice, stick to what feels good for you. And other people are going to give you feedback. Maybe you're not as uh, clear. You don't sound as clear as you think. Maybe you need to uh, uh, tone it down a little bit. But whatever you feel, the closer you are to to yourself, I think the better it's going to sound because ultimately that's how we differentiate between great presenters. It's not their amazing voice. Even though it helps, it's who they are. It's their personality that we really like. And uh, right. so I definitely, uh, definitely say that. And listen to yourself. Listen to yourself critically. You know, especially when you're starting out, record yourself. Do I don't care. Read a book, but preferably, um, you know, make make a pilot show for yourself and uh, see. All right, what aspects of my voice do I like? Which aspects don't I like? What can I do to make it sound a little bit better? And then just practice. Because I mean, like anything, it takes a lot of time. Hmm. Do you feel, how long do you think it took you before you felt comfortable? Oh, man. Um, comfortable? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, kind, it's, it's hard to express as well because is it the amount of minutes that I was on live radio? Is it the amount of hours that I was uh, recording stuff in, you know, uh, trying to practice in studios? Or is it the months or maybe years that it took an actual time that it all... Uh, adds up to um i don't know i i suppose i got comfortable after three six months because i believe that's roughly what you need that that's the time you need in any new job that you're doing you need uh at least six months really to uh really get your bearings what role did nerves play were you very nervous in the beginning and did 
how did you combat that or do it anyways? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, a big part of it for me was uh, there's two big moments uh, for nerves and doing radio. The first one was uh, I was really self-conscious and always really had a lot of doubts about what I was doing. So I was constantly asking colleagues, like, did I do this right? Did I do that right? Should I have done this like this? Should I have done this like that? And one of the more senior guys took me apart one day and he said to me, do you know what? What you should really do, trust yourself. Just stop, stop, stop all this. Trust yourself. See what happens. And I did. And um, the moment I started uh, trusting myself and I stopped questioning every single uh, a little decision, you know, it, it became a lot easier because then all of a sudden you just have a clearer path. It's, this is what you need to do. Here's where you are. Let's get there. Just do the work. And um, that, that was a really big help. That, um, that sort of just changed stuff for me because... I started focusing less on everything that could go wrong and on how I was performing. And I just started doing the work. And that's what you need to do eventually is just, you know, put in an X amount of hours. And uh, the more fun you're having, uh, the quicker that's going to go. And the second thing that was um, really mind-blowing as well is... um, realizing that uh, this is a thing that happens to me a lot in the studio, right? I'll be talking to somebody in live, in a live setting and I'll fuck up. I'll forget something. I was going to ask. I'll, okay. uh, you know, I'll maybe miss a word or just lose my train of thought and just think, what am I doing? Just for a second, it's <laughs> blank. And I think... Oh, Very God. easy to imagine. Oh, God, what's going on? I have to right. uh, sort of, okay, focus, get back to this. And that takes minutes, maybe. It feels like an hour of silence. And you think, oh, God, and then you're back. And then you're back in the conversation. And then I listen back to it. And the actual moment is like a blink. It's half a second. You just hear like a slight hesitation in my in my voice. And then, boom, we're on. As soon as I realized that, how much more pressure there but is you're on panicking this side and sweating. of the microphone I, oh, I know. than there is on, right. the actual, on the other side. That, that, because they've got it on in the background, yeah, they're at I mean, work, they're not really, anyway. you know, no, but they're not paying. Even, <laughs> right. even if they are, I mean, what feels like an eternity of silence or um, uh, a, a really big mistake, it, it ends up sounding really small. Oh, and that's a third tip, if I may, love your silence. Hmm. Not too long, especially on live radio. Most radio stations have uh, maybe a seven or a nine second uh, limit on uh, um, complete silence. And if you have that long, then the alarm bells start going off. And that's a problem. But um, a lot of uh, broadcasters, podcasters, um, the first thing they do is they're, when, they, when they get started, they don't like the silence. So when they're interviewing somebody, they'll talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And it's okay sometimes to just... Just leave it and leave it slightly longer than you think is comfortable. That really, if you're having a good chat, that can work really, really well. All right, I tried it. (laughs) That's something that's new to me. I am not familiar with that, but it makes perfect sense. Adds a little gravitas to the whole thing, I guess, right? Don't overuse it, but it is good. Um, That's that's one of the things. If you're uh, dropping a truth bomb. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I mean, uh, that's that's at the end of the day, that's what you want is you want a real conversation. And if we were sitting, instead of being all these thousands of miles apart, if we were sitting in a room, then you know, sometimes we'll be quiet for a little bit. Mm. That's really interesting. I got to remember that. These are great tips. Um, what do you think your biggest blunder or what's the biggest mistake that you had on air? Or is it just little things? Um, up to now, I'm really, I've really been very lucky. It's been, uh, it's been little things. It really has. That's good. And are there limits to what you can say? Because obviously, I, I know that things are different in Europe, but here, everything is political. There are certain things that people can say or can't say or should say or shouldn't say, especially on an official program. Do you feel that you have to be careful, like, I can't say this, or, like you said, swearing at the beginning? Are there limits that you have to stick within, or not really? Um, well, the job I do, it's in, you know, it's it's news radio, so it's never going to, there's never really going to be any swearing. And um, the most important thing for me is, is, is what I'm telling true? Have I checked this? Are these the facts? Um, obviously, you can't control guests uh, exactly to, to in the way that maybe if if they say something that's not true, you try and verify it as quickly as possible. But um, for myself, the, the scary thing is to say something that's wrong. Um, you know, I, I I might have sworn once or twice by accident on air, um, but that's not a big. I fucking not, not love my big, AirPods. Uh, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> Fucking love my AirPods Pro. <laughs> that's that's not as big a deal uh, to me as saying something that's not right. That's way more sure. scary. And to what degree do people hold you accountable? Do you get angry calls or letters if you do say something? I mean, is that something that's a risk? Oh, you get the weirdest reactions, man. Um, it's never what you think it is. Like um, the stuff I thought that that might get a lot of reactions or might get people uh, people angry. Um, it was never that. It's like the weirdest stuff. Um, one example: at one point, I um, I did a kind of a, a, a weird, sort of a jokey segment about. Um, it started with uh, one of the the the, the head honchos in NASA. He said he gave this conference. He said, "All right, every I don't know so many thousands of years, um, uh, there's a huge meteorite strike in Earth, and to be honest, we're overdue, so it could happen any time." So I um, I thought, you know, that's that's kind of a funny prospect. Maybe I, I, I can riff on that a little bit and get um, I got a, a philosopher in uh, with the ridiculous question. You know, would it actually be so bad if we all just die seems <laughs> right. like a pretty relaxed way to go man i mean you could you could, you could have cancer or you could have something awful that'd take forever and this is just boom gone and i had a philosopher agree agreed with me so we had a, a, a kind of a funny talk about that and then i started getting angry letters about this saying that you left-wing guys with your climate change bullshit you're causing this even there oh even no there, like, well technically yeah if a meteorite would strike earth the that would be a change of climate, but I'm right. Not but it's exactly not exactly sure what related. Left wing politics has to do. With <laughs> right. You left wingers with your meteors. I'm not even that. Your astral phenomena. That's pretty bizarre. I mean, obviously that's a thing here in the U.S., but I suppose those viewpoints are so insidious that they spread. Uh, yeah, that's really disheartening. Just hear what actually, they want to hear, man. That's that's the problem. They don't really listen. 
Right. It's like, yes, I can see how a meteor, you know, after we're all dead, the climate would probably change. It would get a lot colder for a while. <laughs> it would definitely. But that's not how it came about. So that's, that's yeah, shocking. And I'm sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> that, right. that. That does bring up a question. How do you research? Is it just Google or what, what do you consider acceptable research? This is like back to high school or college days, I guess. Oh, it really kind of depends on what you're doing. Um, see, radio is, um, talk radio is um, not the same as, for instance, a newspaper where you really uh, do a, a huge amount of work for your own stories. I don't have that kind of time. A lot of stuff we do is talking about news that has already been reported by, often by newspapers or by other outlets. Um and um, I'm often more interested in the reaction, like uh, the decision makers, so CEOs of companies or uh, politicians, parliamentarians, people like that, um, reacting uh, to the news and, and doing the interview uh, about something, as opposed to uh, newspapers that are often um, really do some brilliant work in uh, um, uncovering facts that were previously unknown. You know, in a live radio setting, that's not something that, uh, for me at least, that happens uh, uh, very often. It's more about, here's the situation, here's today, this is what's happening now, and um, getting reactions about that and um, interviewing the decision makers about, you know, maybe... Uh, policy changes or decisions they've made uh, that, you know, people might disagree with. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I mean, my day is spent reading uh, lots and lots of uh, news coverage from established outlets. And, you know, just I kind of know which newspaper is going to um, be uh, be well checked and which one might be a little bit iffy. So, you know, you mm. know... Um, uh, uh, what sources you can trust a bit more than others. But um, if you do uh, uh, go along with something and you haven't checked it, that's on you. But basically, uh, just a lot of reading, man. I see. Well, you mentioned getting guests, and I'm assuming that this stuff is highly topical. So when you need to get a guest, there seems like there'd be an enormous scheduling component of this. So let's say there's something that's relevant today. How do you get, do you get people to come into the studio? How does that work? Well, the pandemic changed a lot of things, but um, radio has uh, the benefit where you can actually use somebody's phone. It's all right for a three-minute segment. It's all right to actually ring somebody. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we have some digital tools, like the same uh, the same way I log into uh, my station. We have a sort of a bare-bones version for, uh, for guests, for regular contributors that they can just download to their iPhone or their uh, Android phones. And uh, just plug in some headphones, and they're uh, they're good to go, and that's acceptable. Um, uh, studio time it depends on who it is, and it depends on the length of um, an interview. Like I did a lot of um, background work for a uh, program that's more about business and getting the CEO uh, of a big company in um, to talk to them for half an hour. I mean, you're not going to do that over phone line. You want them in the studio, so that takes a lot of planning, but. Um, if you're doing really um, short work, like you, you, uh, what you were saying, the day-to-day -day current affairs, this is happening today, a lot of that is uh, is phone-based. And uh, it's still, it's very frantic. I mean, um, it's a lot of calls to a lot of people and um, a lot of pressure. But uh, wow. yeah, it, it, you get used to it, I suppose. 
And are you solely responsible for all of this, or do you have people working underneath you or alongside you that are doing some of those? I'm my tasks? own island uh, at the moment. Um, oh, so you, you call, you schedule, you decide who you need, and you work out the logistics for me. Every day. Yeah, because I'm I, I, at the moment I'm uh, a small part of a big show. Um, and for years before this, I uh, did background work for uh, for bigger shows. And then you're really doing a lot of the scheduling. But for me, for the three segments, I mean, that's uh, I can handle that on myself uh, by myself. Yeah. And this is, I'm assuming, a five day a week job, weekends free. Okay. That sounds intense. I mean, I know from just trying to get people on the podcast, like, coordinating with other people is is no easy task, especially daily. It's true, but so hats um, off to yeah, you for that. Uh, for 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 um, news radio, do you know there's a bit of recipe. Um, there's something in it for them as well, you know? It might, might be uh, um, a bit more tricky when you're uh, talking about a prime minister or uh, the CEO of uh, Heineken, I don't know. Um, there's not always that much in it for them to uh, to answer the phone. But uh, when you're talking about politicians or um, uh, business leaders or activists, you know, they have a story that they want to get out. So uh, you, 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 you ring them and if it, more often than not, they'll actually say yes, because, you know, um, that's a way to contribute to uh, changing things because that's, you know, what, what news does is it does change things. Mm. So people are generally receptive. Obviously, you have a big brand behind you as well, which Yeah, helps. that does help. Yeah, you're not if just you're, on, if your you're own, on your you own, you can say uh, it's, it's very legitimizes yeah. it. Makes sense. Um, all right. What was your favorite story of the last year? Do you have a favorite segment or what are you most proud of? That's a good question. Do you know what's funny? I did um, uh, a segment that I made and edited that where I um, used um, uh, Kid A by Radiohead and uh, a buttload of... Um, sounds sort of pink floyd money type sounds that i'd recorded mm -hmm. with uh uh different coins and things like that and i got oh, this cool. really crazy old advert uh where they had one of these movie guys you know um talking about um uh, i had all these different sounds on a segment that was about um student loans and not being able to uh repeat that and just the first 30 seconds of that, it sounded so good that I actually danced to my own intro, which I've never done before, <laughs> but I heard it. I was listening back. I spent all day, you know, mixing this, and I heard it back, and I just thought, ah, that's good. And uh, I think that's the happiest I've ever been working here. <laughs> that's the happiest. Wow. Well, that was that was a question that I had, because you had mentioned live radio, so I wasn't sure what to what degree it was live or pre-recorded. So when you're doing that, is that a hybrid where you're like making something oh, in advance yeah, and then you, you do an intro and talk explaining uh, what I actually do, but that's because my job, it changes every, uh, every six months or sure. every year. Um, what I used to do is uh, uh, for a while, I'd have um, a sort of a three or four minute slot to do something I wanted to do with the news. And that would be pre-recorded because it'd be quite layered and um, kind of like a, a mini podcast story in about four minutes. So you'd be working with music, be working with quotes, be um, working with people I'd interviewed. And um, sort of turning that into a sexy, sexy sound. 
and that takes all day to make like a, a little three or four minute segment like that. Um, right. So that's completely different from what I'm doing now, but it is something I uh, I spent a lot of time doing. And when you're mixing this stuff, obviously mixing is a skill. Do you you're are you making this an audition or what what software? Yeah, yeah I usually okay. use audition. And um, the great thing of working for a radio station is if you get uh, in over your head. There's always somebody who does, you know, the guy who makes the adverts or the guy who uh, um, uh, records all the promos. Um, these guys know everything and they will just take you into their uh, Pro Tools studio and just say, no, what, what we were trying to do, okay, this is how you were supposed, this is how you should have done That's what it. I was going to ask. It would have right. sounded like this. And then you remember that and you learn and you go on. Yeah, because, you know, it's when you're mixing sound effects and all of that, the idea that it's going to sound good or cohesive on national radio is anything but a given. True. And maybe it sounds like crap. So are, are you processing your own voice, or is there a dedicated somebody out there who, you know, I just send the raw files, they process it, I don't have to worry about it? Um, no, when I'm, at, when I'm at work, then, um, the processing is done, uh, over every, like, there's different recording boots that you can use, and they'll have the voice processing down, and then um, at the end of the day, when my product is finished, when I'm done with it, it'll go through automatic processing. But I'll have done the mixing and the leveling uh, myself because I want it to sound the way I want it to sound. And if I want help with that, then you know I can get somebody else to do it who's more qualified. But usually, I kind of know um, exactly what I want, um, or I'll just tweak with it till uh, keep tweaking it till I'm happy. Um, because it's it's so much fun doing these things, you know. I I don't know why you ask somebody else to do this unless you really had to because you didn't have yeah. the time. I mean, that's my perfect day is just sitting in uh, mixing something in a studio making something. Yeah, I feel the same way. But we're a rare breed, I think, in that regard. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, I think not a lot of people think in terms of sound. That's been my experience. True. Um, most people think in terms of visual stuff. If you look on YouTube, it's all about cameras and color grading and lighting. And there are so many wannabe filmmakers or cinematographers out there. But then you get into the world of audio and there's just so much. Le it's like a dark art for 99% of people. Either they do the bare minimum or they use GarageBand or whatever, mm. or they know just enough to make something truly horrible. But I find that certainly in music and elsewhere, the people who actually think in terms of sonic landscapes are very weird. And for me, that's that's how I think. I mean, I've got four sets of speakers right here right now um, because I'm just fascinated with how frequencies hit the ear, more, more so than music, actually. I'm not like a guitarist or a mm -hmm. piano player or I didn't grow up playing any of those instruments, but I just am very, very interested in the way frequencies hit the ear. How do microphones affect it? How does the speaker that I choose affect what kind of decisions I make? Should I use a, a small speaker for dialogue or do I need a subwoofer? You know, all of these things that most people don't care at all about. I love all of that. So it it's is, interesting for you to say that that's your world as well. But it makes sense if you love radio. Yeah, uh, 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 probably not as uh, as deep into the technical side as you are. But it is definitely true. I can... Um, spend a half a day trying to make something sound just right and uh, you know playing it over different speakers and making sure you know thinking about okay I'm, I'm, I'm mixing this on headphones and then taking it upstairs to a monitor so I can actually hear what it is and then completely forgetting 
that 99.9% of these uh, of my listeners are going to hear it through a car stereo in a Fiat or a BMW with a stock. And they're not really even listening. Like all these subtle things and trying to, you know, I've often um, spent time designing a sort of a, um, a, a different sonic experience in each ear and trying to make sound sort of move around your headphones. Cool. <laughs> Who listens to radio on the <laughs> Right. Nobody's. Nobody. But I had a good time. <laughs> no. Well, you enjoyed it. It sounded That's good on so my funny. headphones. <laughs> You're just tripping out there. You're like, oh shit, I got a deadline. Crap. <laughs> I got a. I mean, or like a reverb tail. When, when you care about what it sounds like, it matters. <laughs> and people do hear it, I think. I really do, do think, or at least I hope so. Well, probably. My, my belief is it's always a subconscious thing. Mm. I, I that's what I tell myself. It's not a conscious thing, and the, but the difference between good enough and great is just a feeling that people have. It's a feeling of being taken care of, a feeling of being able to let go and not worry. Mm. I think that's true of music or DJs or anything else. If you're in the hands of an amateur, you are kind of always on edge. You kind of always expect that there might be a mistake at some point, or you're, you're just never able to really relax. But yeah. when true professionals are involved, you're fully relaxed. Yeah, you just accept right, yeah. that what's coming in, you accept it for what it is, you know? Yeah. So I think, I'm sure in some way they appreciate it in their fiat, or it sounds professional, quote-unquote, right? Versus, like, some kid, a <laughs> 15-year-old. I'm sure you've come a long way since then. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, well, professional is sort of, the, that's, that's, that's the lowest the bar goes. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. the funny thing is, you're, it probably is true that people will hear, okay, this sounds the way it's supposed to sound. And that's pretty much all. Uh, everything above that, um, you're doing it for yourself and uh, you're doing it sure. for the other people who love radio. Because just if there's one guy or one girl who listens to that and think, oh, that sounded fucking cool, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. that's enough for me. Because I, <laughs> again, I letter. had a really good time. <laughs> right. And I'll send so it to like, two or three other weird colleagues who have a, a, a weird fascination with audio and they, 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 they might, might enjoy it too. And that, you know, I got paid at the end of the day. Far out, man. Ryan, you got a job. Uh, what is the processing, the auto processing? Can you describe what it does to your mix? How does it change the sound? Uh, it makes me sound sexier. Just adds a lot of low end, or, you know. Just uh, yeah, well, rounds there's, an, it out, there's an equalizer. I mean, I'm I'm not an audio technician, man. I mean, we have uh, a whole support staff doing this sort of stuff, so I really don't. But I guess do I guess the, okay. The More than that, though, are you ever surprised? And there's uh, okay. a good bit of processing on it, yeah. But does it ever sound different than you think? You're like, okay, this is going to sound awesome. Then it hits the processing, and then whoa, suddenly this is too loud or that's too quiet. It no, always then sounds never better. Fit it up. Um, cool. Uh, no, honestly, it, it, it's just, I mean, uh, no, they, they've got their shit on lock, man. Um, uh, it usually sounds a bit fuller, uh, but uh, okay. again, I sort of trust that. Um, yeah, if I've done my levels right, then it's pretty much uh, going to be good. For me, it's important uh, if I segue, you know, in these short pieces you have, you might go from A to B to C. I need to make sure that my fades are are uh, good, but it just it you know it just has to sound right as a sketch. I don't have to worry about is my bass going to be too high because I know uh, I know my levels. I know every I, I do my voice at uh, minus six and I do peaks at minus twelve 
And uh, if I stay within those boundaries, then I'm going to be fine because the processing will take care of it and it won't uh, ruin it for me. And if I really want to, you know, if I want to be sure, then I can always check it before it's broadcast. Okay. Fascinating. Um, Do you have a favorite microphone or what's the standard microphone over there? Ooh, um, no, I think um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned with whether the room sounds good than the microphone. Um, mm. Again, we, we are blessed to have audio technicians, so uh, depending on where I'm recording, it's going to be a sure, I want to say SM58 or um, in... That looks kind of like what you have right now? Yeah, that's right. Or in the worst case, okay. it might be what I have right now, which is actually a pretty sweet little microphone for uh, basic stuff like that. It's a Sennheiser E835. And then um, if I'm doing like serious voice work or for uh, promos or for adverts or something like that, then uh, you know, then they'll have the big, uh, the big sure road set up with uh, the, basically what you have uh, right there. Yeah. But it's 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 often just not really necessary for uh, for most of the radio work. Um, something like this actually is it does the job. Um, it's more important that um, the acoustics around you are okay. So right now. As you can see, uh, I'm moving house, so I, I haven't actually really done. This is the first recording I'm doing here in this room. I oh, wow. I any okay. attention to it, <laughs> so I hope it's okay. I hung up some uh, um, uh, some blankets behind me to out. try and sort yeah. of mute. But um, no, if, you're, uh, if, you try, if you can soundproof your room a little bit and uh, um, make your room sound a bit softer, then uh, I think that's pretty much more important than your mic. Wow, that's amazing. I would have thought that... And a professional, I mean, of course that makes sense, but I would have thought that there, that would be a huge component because, you know, um, I know that NPR famously, they all use the same microphone. They all use the, uh, the Neumann U87, which is, you know, the, this deluxe luxury $3,000 microphone. But it's interesting that in your world, it's kind of the opposite. They just Um, say, okay, just get it in there. We'll, we'll process it as long as the acoustics are good. Yeah, um, the thing is, uh, uh, just like, you know, if you have super, super, super high-end headphones, right? Yeah. Um, it's so hard. The more money you spend, you, you keep having to spend more and more and more and more money to get a slightly better pair of headphones. Whereas um, for 99% of the stuff you actually want to do with those headphones, the cutoff point was way, way behind. And I right. think, um, and to be honest, I, I haven't obviously talked about, uh, I haven't talked to the tech guys about this exactly why they pick which microphone, but I can sort of guess that um, these super, super, super high-end microphones, they require pretty good microphone technique. And in a radio studio, you're constantly receiving guests. So this is a, um, if, if you have uh, um, a microphone that just sounds good for everybody, that's, pretty good for us i think um it's a much more utilitarian really approach that much yeah uh, it, it, but again um it, the the differences are so marginal man a lot of it is just uh it's just bullshit i mean yeah you can make it right. sound better but it's like take take compared to photography man you can buy uh the most expensive camera in the world but if 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 your eyes aren't working 
You know, you're going to take a crap picture. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to take a crap picture and you take an iPhone out and you just go... Yep. And it might be stunning. That's that's a good good uh, analogy, I think. Um, so, would you, you know, this is a great Dutch... Dutch English uh, phrase or Dutch American at least. So, would you say that you live to work or work to live? Oh, that's difficult, man. I'm uh, I'm 29, Ross. Right now, I just want to work because uh, I okay. want to go places, and I really like my work. But you know, I'm single. It's the crunch uh, time. It's crunch time, and I'm not. I, I, yeah, I'm not. Um, I don't have have the idea that I'm really like missing out on anything else. I just really like my job and I'm still learning a lot. So I'll just keep doing that and enjoy it. Um, but uh, yeah, I do want um, I do want to have the the room to relax and do what I want to do. But you know, I get bored. I get antsy if I uh, if I take two weeks off after a week and a half. I'm just thinking. Oh, I'm missing something. I might have a wonderful time, might be on the beach somewhere, and then after a week and a half, kind of want to know what's going on, you know? (laughs) I kind of want to get back to work. (laughs) Well, it seems like a pretty clear answer then, which I totally understand. Um, Is there somebody, who do you admire in your field? Is there somebody you look up to specifically? Oh, there's so, so, sorry. Knocked off my headphones there. Sorry, there's so many people I looked up to. Um, gonna have to try and think of uh, um, some English uh, uh, language people that you might uh, or your listeners might. Oh no, I, I I think they can be Dutch. It can be anybody really, or maybe oh, you can describe guys, uh, who they are. A couple of guys in uh, in Holland. One guy's Peter van der Wiele. He uh, um, presents a late night um, interview show on uh, a public broadcasting uh, radio on Holland Radio One. Um, and he's amazing. He just does, uh, he does an hour of, um, super in-depth interview every night, um, with authors, with, uh, chefs, interesting creative, uh, types, politicians. And he always knows, he, he knows, he knows his stuff, but he's also, he's like, he's a brilliant listener and there's so much empathy in what he does. Um, so I really admire that. And, um, Stuff I've been listening to as well uh, lately is um, one of the oldest radio programs in the world. Maybe the oldest radio program that's still going is uh, Desert Island Discs uh, by the BBC. And um, the great thing is, like on the BBC Sounds Archive, you can uh, you can listen back to it as far as you want. And there's a couple uh, there's a couple people um, like l- right now. Lauren Laverne is presenting that, and uh, she's just brilliant she's just a wonderful wonderful interviewer There's so much kindness in there and a lot of patience uh and a lot of humor which i like and um uh there's a couple of women before her that were just great it's like uh i can't think of the name now which is embarrassing but uh um uh one of the interviews i was listening to recently there was this moment where um uh, the interviewer asked a question and um, there's between but they were both women and they were both uh, probably over their 40s and it was a question about um, having children and you know uh, I think it was about the loss of a child and there was this question and I just realized all of a sudden I thought whoa I got goosebumps I thought there's so much empathy and so much experience behind this question that um I just realized right then, oh, whoa, I still have 
not not just a long way to go, but I have a lot of time. I mean, you need to be maybe 40, 50 years old to have enough lived experience to be able to ask this question. So, you know, there's there's all this time to become, you know, a better interviewer, a better presenter, but also just, you know, older. And that's going to that's right. gonna help <laughs> right. being more experienced. You're optimistic about help. old age. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Because in the TikTokification of everything, uh, let's just say oldness oh, man, isn't TikTok, valued though. everywhere. The <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, man. Um, all right, we'll do a couple rapid fire. This has been excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time, first of all. Um, a couple sure, rapid fire on. questions. Yeah, go. To, uh, to kind of wrap it up. All right, so what do you think is more important in your line of work, talent or effort? Effort. Do you want me to expand on that? <laughs> no, no, no. Fair enough. Okay, good enough. Okay. So um, so what is the uh, smartest piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh, stop worrying. Trust yourself. Man, I got to listen to that piece of advice. <laughs> if I could just tattoo that on the inside of my eyelids, I think I'd be better off. Okay, good stuff. What's your goal right now? My goal right now is um, to get better. And I don't care um, what shape, what form that takes. I just want to do work and grow. And, man, everything is so unpredictable. You never know which door is going to open. And uh, I was not prepared. I was not preparing to do any of the stuff I did. And it just happened. And you build on sort of your experiences and... I just think, you know, I'll see where I end up, but I just want to keep busy. I want to keep improving and keep getting better at what I do. And then we'll see what opportunity comes along. That's really wonderful. Well, there's one last question here. What is something that you believe that almost nobody else believes? Oh. I don't know, man. I'm really cynical. What do I believe in? Or conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't believe in conspiracy <laughs> theories. I don't know, man. I'm starting to wonder now. I don't want to make it too sad, but I believe that um, uh, almost everybody is all right. is is trying to do uh, is trying to do uh, well by one another. And um, if you see uh, like uh, a big story now in Holland is. Um, how uh, um, the government and tax authorities really sort of tried to crack down on people yeah. who were supposedly um, committing benefits fraud and a lot of stuff like that. I don't. Uh, I, I it, it all boils down to a simple sort of uh, idea: Do people want to work? Do people want to do the right thing if you give them the chance? Um, and I think I believe more than a lot of people, sadly, especially here in Holland, believe that. At the end of the day, people want to do something, want to do something productive, want to do something good, and um, uh, there aren't that many bad apples. I just don't believe it. I completely agree. And that is, that's a great way to end it. Lovely sentiment. Thank you so much for being here. Thank any you. Any parting words? Really, I, had, I had a really good time. Oh, wonderful. Glad to hear it, man. Any parting things before we go? Ooh. Um... Work hard, man, and uh, not too hard. Stay happy. And with that, 
podcast officially over. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet. Or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening. 